Welcome to Asian Book Club, where we highlight Asian and Asian American authors. We are your hosts, Jimmy and Sabongin. And I'm Stephen Park. And today we're continuing our read of Pasco Na My Love. And in this read, the topic is around holidays. I still think we're missing a lot of holiday things. <laughs> but in the realm of getting into the spirit for the December holidays, what are your favorite traditions that you've done growing up or new ones that you've come up with? For me, in the winter holidays, one of my favorite things to do growing up is my family, and we're called the Padilla clan, we have this big party where all the families from the Padilla clan come together, we bring food, and we just... It's like a reunion of sorts. Mm -hmm. So that's what was my favorite growing up. And now... My favorite thing that we do together is decorate, whether mm -hmm. it's the tree or putting up the stockings for our cats. Mm -hmm. Those traditions are what make me feel very connected, not only to you, but to the holiday itself. Right. Because we don't have stockings for ourselves. No. We only have them for the cats. Yes. And one of our trees is a porcelain version of a tree with cats underneath. Yes. Climbing it or something. Yes. Which we need to get out soon. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I think for me, my family has always been really small because my parents had emigrated here alone. So mm. my mom's side of the family is still all in Korea. And my dad's side, we're not quite as connected to. So for us, it was always a very small gathering. It was just the immediate family of mm. me, my parents, my brother, and my grandma. And even now, with me being away from the location of where the rest of my family is, mm -hmm. I still don't get to see them that often. And Christmas and Thanksgiving were always something that I had to figure out because because of my work, I wasn't allowed to take both days off. Mm. So usually I ended up going for Thanksgiving because food and yes. Thanksgiving, although I don't celebrate why it's there, the food part is really good and yes. the family part's really good. Yes. But... When I was growing up, what me and my family would do is my parents would always take us to go watch a movie at the movie theater at our local town center. And that would be Christmas is whether we had a tree or not was always kind of up in the air. Mm -hmm. We used to have a tree that was the artificial one. And then we'd always decorate it. And then eventually we didn't because my parents were like, you're not kids anymore, so we don't care. Fair. But the custom that always stuck around was watching a movie in the theaters every Christmas day mm. so I think even one time when I went back during grad school we still did that so I think it's something mm. that my parents just enjoy doing especially my dad he's really likes watching different movies the sad part is it's always like an action movie because that's <laughs> the way my dad goes but yeah. but it was always surprisingly nice to have the theater be so empty and for mm. us to be able to enjoy a movie together and just yeah, I guess do our own thing that maybe not every other family does. Totally. It must have felt like you rented the entire theater to yourselves. Yeah, it wasn't that empty. There were definitely people there. But mm. then we would get there early and we'd get coffee from somewhere and then get popcorn from the theater and, yeah, just be able to enjoy the movie together. Yeah. One of the other ways we tend to celebrate our December holidays sometimes is by giving gifts whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, or whatever it is. And if you're looking for a gift, this person might be your next stop. And that's going to be our recommendation for the week. Our recommendation for the week is Mulberry John. 
Angelina of Mulberry John identifies as an Armenian, Iranian, Jewish, non-binary artist who creates SWANA and queer art. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with SWANA, SWANA stands for Southwest Asia and North Africa. You can find and purchase their art on their website, or if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, you can follow them on their Instagram at Mulberry John to see their in-person markets throughout the year, many of which they organize for the Black, Indigenous, and People of Color community. They are also currently holding ongoing fundraisers in support of Palestine and Artsakh. You can learn more about their work via their website at Mulberry John, M-U-L-B-E-R-R-Y, John, J-A-A-N, dot com, and on Instagram at Mulberry John or at tired.armenianjew. Yep, and some of the stuff that she does produce are stickers, cards, little postcards, and things like that. They also make totes and media printed clothes. Yeah, and so check them out at the website or their Instagram, but that's going to be our recommendation for the week. Okay, so Pasco Na, my love a holiday romance anthology. That's what we're reading. Mm -hmm. We previously read stories one and two, which are somewhat connected in the overall theme, but these stories are fairly independent of each other, Mm -hmm. and we are now reading stories three and four. Mm -hmm. Story three is The Deal by Tiff Marcello, and story four is Illicit by Mia Hopkins. So let's start with the first of the two. The Deal by Tiff Marcello. And just like the last time, we're going to start by reading the blurb. Prodigal cousin Oliver Moore returns to Hacienda Luz to attend Lola Nati's 100th year birthday party, only to find out that he's not on the guest list from divorcee event planner Nora Shaw. In catching him as he tries to break in, she feels sorry for him and makes a deal to sneak him in. Both discovering Christmas can still bring forgiveness and new love. Mm-hmm. So we have Ollie, short for Oliver, who is the aloof cousin who's determined to make it into the party mm-hmm. despite not being on the guest list. Mm-hmm. And we have Nora, who is the event organizer, who's stopping him, but is convinced because Ollie does something nice for her. Right. So what happens is Ollie is seemingly trying to break into this party Mm -hmm. because he did not cooperate in the event planning, which he had promised to do. And now he is left off of the guest list. Mm -hmm. Nora is just the person that's hired to do the job of event organizing. Mm -hmm. And so she is sticking true to the guest list. But as we go through several different wonky situations and scenarios, Ollie and Nora end up finding themselves in a room. And Nora ends up believing in Ollie enough to help him get into the party and also find an interest and excitement which Ollie then reciprocates and they kind of start, you know, they find interest in each other. Right. Which is interesting because this was hard to figure out which trope this belonged to mm-hmm. because it wasn't necessarily a meet cute because it wasn't cute the way they met mm-hmm. with Ollie being thrown out of the party to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, they did notice each other. Ollie did feel like Nora was very beautiful and Nora felt like he was very handsome, but it didn't feel like a meet cute. That just wasn't, that just didn't feel like it fit into that category. Mm -hmm. So when I looked into it a little more, I thought it kind of felt like trapped in an elevator trope Hmm. where they were both needing to be at this party, but for different reasons. Mm And because they needed to be at this party, they were trapped in that scenario. Mm -hmm. 
So that's the trope that I came up with. Do you agree? Yeah, I think they were both stuck there for different reasons. And especially that part where they're stuck in that locker room that Nora had originally found herself in mm. to take off her shoes. Mm-hmm. I think with Ollie stumbling into that, it seemed like that's where they were in some form of a confined space. Yes. And that's when they were able to work out this situation and, yeah, start to find not only love, but definitely trust in each other. Totally. I think it also reminded me of kind of Romeo and Juliet type of love hmm. because they fell in love within the span of a few hours. I guess so, but people didn't die. Fair. I'm, I'm just talking about the, the quickness of the, of the love. Also, people didn't kill each other. <laughs> it was definitely not star-crossed lovers. What I'm referring to is the speed at which they fell in love. Yes, they fell in love very quickly. Yes. So, for the story itself, how readable was it for you? So, I really liked this story. I thought there was a sense of truth behind this. Mm -hmm. There was a feeling that this was a very honest interaction. And for some reason, I don't know if it was the way that it was written, Mm -hmm. but Ollie seemed like this very believable character who was hectically trying to move around. I think the way that his inner monologue was written, it seemed like... I could get into the head of who Ollie was Mm. and what he was trying to accomplish. Mm. I felt the same, but for Nora. Mm -hmm. Nora, as a divorcee who was trying to take care of her son, really needed this job. Mm -hmm. And by helping Ollie, she was risking that. Mm -hmm. And that kind of created this inner conflict for her. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel like... I'm definitely on her side and definitely feeling the fear of her boss who keeps saying up to code for no reason. Right. I agree. So I think the way that the author incorporated Nora's child into the story Mm. was very useful and very minimal. Like she didn't really have to go too much in depth for us to realize what Nora's situation actually was. Yes. So I thought that was very creative and actually inputted a lot into the story Mm -hmm. without taking up space or words. Absolutely. And even when the son texted her at the end, it Mm -hmm. didn't feel like it was unnecessary. It felt like it had to be there. Right. I also agree with your side of Nora's story where her story seemed very real and you can almost feel how dangerous the situation was for her to actually help Ollie Mm -hmm. and I think that was what really drew me into their relationship Mm -hmm. to the point where when Nora was questioning her decision to help Ollie and then Ollie telling her how much he appreciates her how much she realizes she's risking her job and then the whole scenario with him helping her out Mm -hmm. I thought that was very sweet and I think that part really got to me Mm -hmm. I thought that was something that kind of made me feel like you always say the gilly gilly yeah, definitely. Yeah. And can you explain what Kalig means for I can't, our can you? audience? <laughs> you have to explain it. Well, you're the one who brought it up. But you're the one that speaks the language. Kilig means this feeling of love and like wanting to wanting to be in love as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked the pairing that she had brought in with these characters. Mm. How did you feel about these characters individually? I felt like Ollie didn't feel his age. Mm. 
first because of how wishy-washy he was but i mean like anyone can be flaky at any age mm-hmm. but the fact that he wrote out an apology on a napkin mm-hmm. and was physically thrown out and the spunkiness didn't mm-hmm. feel his age like you felt like he was younger i felt like he was either 20s or 30s not mid 40s so i do think that that could be the case mm-hmm. but also we have to remember that he was the youngest out of that family the moore's family fair and so because of that as well as likely growing up wealthy from everything that we gain from the experience of the actual setting of mm-hmm. hacienda los we can assume that he may not be fully matured in terms of the aspect of having responsibility maybe fair but i do think his way of being able to understand other people's emotions trying to really figure out this whole scenario and how he's handling it Mm -hmm. definitely seemed childish but also in a way responsible in taking responsibility for a lot of these things absolutely i can see that emotional maturity seeing that he knew that his relationship with the previous partner that he had was not great he also realized what his actions was doing to his cousins and why they might shut him out right because he also talks about his scenario and why he wants to get back in there Mm. and you can tell its importance in his life by a quote that i kind of got out of it Mm -hmm. which is how many times had his cousins his parents his lola natty told him family was forever that forgiveness and understanding were paramount. That in this world, the only people one truly had were their family, blood or found. Mm-hmm. So I think his age shows in understanding the importance of the task at hand and mm-hmm. what he's trying to accomplish. I see. But yeah, I do think he was a very cartoonish character. Yes. I think as I was reading through this book, that's what was running through my mind was almost like a Tom and Jerry or one of those like childhood cartoon versions of ollie that was like yes. jumping in and out of windows and yes. crashing through doors absolutely so yeah i see the aspect of him feeling a little bit more on the immature side right right and the fact that he stole the key and was saying that technically it's his and i'm like what 40 year old says that one that grew up in a very rich family <laughs> maybe i don't know i don't know a 40 year old who acts like this i mean have you seen our last president's children uh, let's not get into that <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the story then I like the story overall. I appreciated how determined both of them were in their respective need to either be at the party for Ollie and to not mess up the party for Nora. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for me, this story felt like I finally understood the role of Lola Natty's party in the connection with all these cousins. Mm. It also felt like it gave different perspectives of the family members that are a little bit more outcasted, mm. which I think is the connection with all four stories. Yes. And outcasted may not be the word, but their feeling of not belonging, mm-hmm. even though clearly everyone realizes that they belong. For sure. Everyone in the family wants to accept them back. Absolutely. I also feel like this story was the most whirlwind so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. That besides... Ollie being cartoonish, like the entire situation itself felt very Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In a cartoony way. Yes. <laughs> okay, so that was The Deal by Tiff Marcello. And let's get into our fourth story, 
which is Illicit by Mia Hopkins. So the blurb says, Event planner Eden Rosales and Catholic priest Nick Salgado reunite at Hacienda Luz and settle a score 14 years in the making. Content notes. Mentions of child abuse, explicit language, and explicit sex. This was the most vague blurb we've encountered so far, with the most bold content warnings. Yeah, the content warnings kind of freaked me out. I think I misread them. When I originally saw it, I thought there was some form of a child abuse kind of thing. And then when it said, like, Catholic priest, I was like, oh, no. I think... And the fact that the title is illicit. Yeah, yeah. There were so many ways that my brain went Mm -hmm. that I was a little afraid. I thought this was going to be a darker story than it turned out to be. Yeah, I fully agree. It turned out to be a very cute story with a dark turn in between. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about the story. So Eden is this girl who grew up in a family that was abusive. Mm -hmm. She couldn't find her place, so she constantly found herself doing things that her parents would disapprove of. It was her feeling like she needed to lash out against her parents. Yes. And this eventually led to her being sent up to Hacienda Luz Mm -hmm. to then get raised by her Lola Nari and her Tita Vida. She had also lost her mom in the process, so she was growing up with her dad and her stepmom. Mm-hmm. So her situation was not great, no. but what she found with her Tita Vida was really reassuring and I think gave her hope that not all people were bad and that she could actually create a life for herself. Yes, and being with Tita Vida and Lola Nati gave her freedom as well. Freedom to be who she really was, which right. is an independent person who just wanted to feel loved. Right. And we also have the other character, who's Nick, who is a 19-year-old aspiring priest at the time. Mm-hmm. And he is visiting Hacienda Luz because Lola Nati has been sponsoring him pretty much yes. so that he can go to school. He doesn't have to worry about other things because he's also kind of not been abandoned because he still has a really great relationship with his mom. But his mom couldn't support him, so his mom had to leave for the States I think it was San Diego, Mm -hmm. but he had to grow up in different forms of care rather than the care of his own parents. Right. So what it looks like is that Nick's mom is an OFW or overseas Filipino worker. Mm -hmm. And the only way that they can stay connected is through video calls Mm -hmm. or phone calls. Which he says that he does every day with her. So it's not like they don't have a relationship. It's just that the relationship is different from the... I guess the white picket fence one that we usually see. Totally. But Nick is at Hacienda Luz because he is very grateful for what Lola Nati has done for him. Mm-hmm. And so this is him saying his greetings, like him giving the figurative manopo. Yes, exactly. Which is... Manopo is when you greet an authority figure or an older person and you're showing respect by taking their hand, usually their right hand, and putting it to your forehead, showing that they're... And you call it in English, bless, Mm -hmm. because you are blessing the person back. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we see this often in our own lives in a different way. Like, we're not traveling across seas to go meet someone. Mm -hmm. But you know how if somebody like your auntie you're like your tita or somebody has donated to your i don't know i didn't do boy scouts but let's say i did boy scouts and i had some kind of fundraiser i had to do if they had donated to it 
then my parents would like drag me to their house in some form of occasion and be like hey go say thank you to her and Mm -hmm. like you'd have to go do that action yes as a kid i feel like it wasn't something that i ever wanted to do but i think that repetitive nature of being like this is what you have to do to Mm -hmm. show respect for the person that's helping you out Mm -hmm. i think that meant a lot and eventually that's what helped me grow into thinking like yeah if someone gives me something or does something for me or thinks of me in a certain way, then I need to go give my thank yous. Right, absolutely. Rather than writing it down, it's like right. physically showing up and saying thank you. Right. Usually a basket of fruit is also recommended. Yes, absolutely. Bringing gifts of some sort. Yeah. And so in this scenario, Nick is there for that purpose. And while he's there, Tita Vida catches Eden trying to sneak away mm-hmm. because she has the day off. And tells Eden to show Nick around the city. Yes. This eventually sparks this love journey in which Eden surprisingly starts to find Nick very attractive and Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And they end up in like this swimming well together, like naked it sounds like. Even though Nick's a priest and he's like, oh no, I shouldn't do that. And he's like... But he did say he asked Jesus and swimming is not a sin. Yes. Uh, I think... I guess being naked together is also not a sin. Anyway, so they eventually find themselves in love, and that's the past story that we have used as a background for the current story, which is Eden, who is an event planner that's been hired by Tita Vida to then host this event that is being held at Hacienda Luz. Definitely. So Eden is the one who is delegating all of the vendors and making sure the entire program is going well, from the decorations to the programming to the gifts. Mm -hmm. Everything is running because of Eden. Mm -hmm. And so all the party goes well. Mm -hmm. And towards the end, we find that Eden and Nick run into each other again Mm -hmm. and then we find the whole backstory of what happened between eden and nick yeah which is very confusing i think it's hard to really confine into a couple of seconds right because there's so it's so complex right is pretty much eden feeling betrayed by nick Mm -hmm. nick saying i did this to protect you Mm -hmm. and then them doing the the sexy time stuff yes and then eden thinks that she has slept with the man of God. Mm-hmm. And then Nick's like, no, you didn't. But then Eden's still like, I don't know. That was a brave move. I feel like <laughs> as someone who grew up religious, that seems like a very bold maneuver to make. But she did ask him, is this okay? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She, she wasn't the seductress who made him do something that he didn't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She was definitely the seductress, at least when they were children, though. She did a lot of the seducting, also known as seducing. (laughs) But what did you think of the readability of this? So in this Star-Crossed Lovers Forbidden Love story, Mm -hmm. I felt like it was really readable. Mm -hmm. Despite it being 13 chapters long, which felt daunting thinking about especially with the blurb that we got and the content warnings that we read through beforehand you mean like pre-read it felt like daunting yes it felt daunting but once i got into the story i could have read it all in one sitting if it wasn't for having to do life things Mm -hmm. i felt the same and like you said this trope is that star-crossed lovers trope this is more of the romeo and juliet thing forbidden love (laughs) yes but 
overall, I felt the exact same way. Every chapter felt like it had a role in the story. Nothing felt like it lingered. Everything pushed the story forward without seeming like it was rushing it. Yes. It felt like we were in that past moment where Eden was reflecting on the previous experience. It felt like we were there for a long time. Mm. But overall, it was just a day and an evening. So I think that attached a lot of emotions to the story that then helped you feel the love that the characters were feeling for each other. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of the characters, I felt like Eden's character, I didn't expect her to be the bad girl in the past. Mm -hmm. But it made so much sense as the story progressed why she became who she is in the present. Right. Finding out about her troubled past with her father and her stepmother. Yes. Yeah. And I love that Nick's character was Filipino without being Filipino. Like... He included different phrases mm-hmm. that were Tagalog. Yes. That seemed like phrases that you would naturally say. Right. And it didn't feel like it shook his character by any means, but it reminded you, like, oh, yeah, this is not someone who's white. Which, as a person who grew up reading a lot of books written by white authors that mm-hmm. included white main characters, mm-hmm. I sometimes forget when I'm reading that characters can not be white. Fair. I thought there was a lot of play in developing who the characters were and mm-hmm. finding out their emotions. I did feel like this story, we got to experience Eden as the main character, and we really got to feel her emotions totally. more than we did with Nick's, which I'm completely fine with. I felt yes. like that really helped carry the story forward. Absolutely. But yeah, I thought both characters were really great. I think it continues to help us build who these characters of Lola Nati and Tita Vida are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and we'll get into this in our predictions, I feel like one of the last two stories has to be on maybe both, but Lola Nati or Tita Vida. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts on this story in particular? I really liked it. I haven't disliked any of these four stories so far. Mm-hmm. This one seemed the most complex The first book that we read with the kitchen scenario Mm -hmm. and kerfuffle and Ollie seemed definitely a little bit more bouncy and fun. And the second one even felt like, you know, it had some bits of darkness in the form of a relationship ending and them trying to find themselves, but it was Mm -hmm. still like light, right? Like there's a tortoise involved. (laughs) And even in this story, they're like, who gave her the tortoise? And I'm like, yeah, who? Everyone should be asking this question. (laughs) Yeah. But what are your thoughts on this story? I thought this was interesting in that Eden was almost so far removed from the family because she's not celebrating with Mm -hmm, them. She's mm -hmm. only organizing and Mm -hmm. planning and making sure things are moving. Mm -hmm. And besides giving us more of a glimpse at who Tita Vida and Lola Nati are, this also gave us a chance to see the party from an outside perspective. Right. Like, not just Nora's perspective from the previous story, who is also outside of the party, but this is almost like I'm part of the family, but not completely part of the family. Right, but on that note, I really want to say that the last bit that Mia Hopkins, the author, had included, mm-hmm. which was not only Eden and Nick getting together, mm-hmm. but... For Tita Vida to be like, he's always been protecting you Mm -hmm. and he loves you and I want you to be happy Mm -hmm. was both an admittance of Tita Vida being like, yeah, I knew that you hadn't done that Mm -hmm. because Nick probably had told Tita Vida right away. Right. And also that 
Dita Vita's not mad at her. She wants no. her back. She's like, come back and Anytime. come back often, yeah. right? Like, that's something you say to someone that you want to see, you know, all the time. For so real. I think the theme of this book is acceptance and mm. feeling like you're an outsider, but truly not being an outsider. Like, for me, as someone who has a lot of mental blocks and a lot of anxieties in my own head, mm. I constantly put myself in that category of like, oh, I did something wrong. Mm. So I feel like I can never come back to the situation or this place or this person. And I think feel like that's the shared feeling amongst almost all these characters is that they don't feel like they belong but in a family kind of like all he said yeah is you forget that like there's always right. a place of belonging that's what family is there for right 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 totally whether it's blood or chosen right exactly absolutely so of the four stories that we've read so far which couple do you relate to or do you like the most so I don't know who I relate to, but I really liked Ollie and Nora. Mm-hmm. I really liked the goofiness of it and For sure. the way they kind of like played with each other. And they, mm-hmm. it felt like they were two objects rolling around each other. Uh-huh. And I thought that was very cute. Definitely. Of the pairings, I feel that I really liked Sophie and Travis because their love story felt the most believable. Mm. In that they knew each other growing up. They were friends before they became lovers. Mm -hmm. And even though they did separate for many, many years, for five years, they still came back and felt the sparks again. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, felt not only relatable, but very true to life. Mm -hmm. Fair. So we are now approaching the last two stories of our book. Those are... So It's You by Maida Malbi and My Only Love by Ma'an Gabriel. And for those of us who are reading in the physical book, these are pages 255 to 375 or just stories 5 and 6. And what are your predictions just based off of the titles of these stories? So by the titles of the stories and by what you mentioned earlier, I, I do think that Tita Vida and Lola Nati both have stories so i think Mm. each of them have a love story to tell Mm. i think so it's you is about lola nati Mm. and the main reason why is because i also feel like both of them have stories Mm -hmm. and i feel like them having the same birthday and tita vita's birthday always kind of being this like slipped under the door note of Mm. like oh happy birthday tita vita i feel like hers is the last story that we're going to share of why she is in that situation where she's the sole caretaker of Lola Nati, mm-hmm. and we haven't heard anything about her having a spouse, a partner mm-hmm. of any sort. So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, are we gonna maybe hear the backstory of Dita Vida? Because she's a very caring, loving, important character in a yes. lot of these people's lives. So yes. I, that's what I think is gonna happen with my only love is Dita Vida is gonna be at this party, and then her true love is gonna come back or something. Mm, I think. The opposite. I think So It's You is going to be Tita Vida's love Mm. story. Mm. Because, like you said, we haven't heard any mention of a romantic partner for Tita Vida. Mm -hmm. So I feel like her friend who she's had in her life for a long time Mm -hmm. is going to show up at this party and she's going to realize, oh my gosh, it's been you all this time. Like really reveal their love for her or something? Exactly, yes, yes, yes. Fair. Yeah, I mean, you were right about Ollie, so yeah. 
Very much so. One thing I do want to mention, though, is that in the realm of what we were talking about last time, how there aren't enough stories that deal with the holidays. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I feel like this story doesn't really deal with the holidays still. It's a very cute book with Mm -hmm. a lot of great stories, but it's not a holiday book in my opinion. But (laughs) with that said, I I was... I was looking at Tiff Marcella's book list after reading that first story, or I guess the third book, just because I liked it so much. And so I was looking through it, and she actually has a book that's titled The Holiday Switch. Mm. So I wonder if that one is much more of a holiday lovey-dovey kind of Mm. feel to it. And it seemed to get really good ratings. So if you do find some extra spare time and you're looking for other books that are December holiday themed, that definitely seems like a book that you might be interested in, possibly. For sure. Okay, so that's our read. We're going to read stories next time. Stick with us. But if you did want to comment or if you had any thoughts that you wanted to share, how can people find us or talk to us? You can let us know whether or not you agree if this book is a holiday book or not mm-hmm. through email at asianbookclubpod at gmail.com or you can join in the conversation on Instagram at asianbookclubpod. Yep, and we also have our website which is asianbookclubpod.com which has our bookstore which shares books that we've read in the past, books we're currently reading, or books that we plan to read in the future. And a great way to support us is to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And also make sure to be happy, be healthy, and read a book. Ingat. Bye. Bye.